Hello and welcome to this edition number 1845 of the Whitney Talking News, which we're recording on Thursday the 17th of December. I'm Peter Bean, I edited this edition, and Manning and Recording Controls is Gavin Smalley. We're both in our own homes and communicating by a telephone link and hope that by the wonders of modern technology, this recording will reach you. So let's begin with our first news item with a banner headline which says, Camp Virus and Fire Fear. A gypsy caravan site <coughs> in West Oxfordshire <coughs> is so overcrowded that it can contribute to the spread of COVID-19 and is a fire hazard, the officials have said. The paddocks, a traveller site south of Bampton, is in breach of planning regulations because there are too many caravans on most of its pitches. And earlier this year, a woman died at the site after being left in a hot car for 16 hours following a party attended by up to 400 people. Now, each pitch is meant to have room for one gypsy family, according to the district council, and that's equivalent to three caravans. But most have got 12 to 15 caravans. And while the site is mostly designed for travellers, there are also concerns that there are now too many caravans being lived in by non-gypsy residents. Concerns about safety risks were revealed at a district council meeting this week. The committee heard an update on enforcement issues at the traveller site when it met, and according to a report by Planning Officer Kim Smith, um, many plots had between 12 and 15 caravans on them. Her report added that given the close proximity of these, there is a number of, uh, of potential risks involved in terms of spread of fire, spread of COVID, safety and welfare of children in potentially dangerous living conditions. Smith said that making sure the site was compliant with the law was a big project for council staff. The report added that many of the other issues on the site were not likely to be solved by planning alone. There are also human rights issues to consider. The council wouldn't be allowed to make travellers homeless by removing caravans from the site. And to help deal with other problems in the paddocks, a multi-agency approach is now being taken. Other public bodies involved include the police, the fire and rescue service, the county council's traveller liaison officer. And these agencies were due to carry out work at the site at the end of October. But because of the second lockdown in England, <coughs> between November and December, they were unable to do so. So instead, work is now due to begin in the new year. And in November of this year, an inquest at the Oxfordshire Coroner's Court looked into the circumstances of a woman's death at the paddocks in June. Donna Smith of Bampton had been placed inside a car at the site in the early hours of June 23rd in order to sleep off the very large volume of alcohol she'd consumed at a large party that had taken place there. The care worker's partner checked on her twice during the day when heat wave temperatures had reached close to 30 degrees before discovering that she died of about 5.30. The Oxfordshire coroner recorded a conclusion of alcohol-related death. Next item heading is that patients have been urged to get the vaccine when they're called. 
the GPs of Oxfordshire are going to start vaccinating vulnerable patients against the coronavirus this week. The county will be among the first to deliver the jab to priority groups within the community, which include those aged over 80, care home staff and hospital staff. Oxford already has a hospital hub at the Churchill where vaccinations began a week ago with older patients and frontline NHS staff. Now, over 80s are being invited to take the Pfizer jab, which must be stored at minus 70 degrees from GP-led hubs in Abingdon, Chipping Norton and Henley. These areas have been picked as part of the first wave of 280 practices as they've got a higher proportion of people aged over 80. Dr. Kieran Collison, GP and Clinical Chairman of Oxfordshire Clinical Commissioning Group, said, Coronavirus is the greatest health challenge to the NHS in history, taking loved ones from us and disrupting every part of our lives. And we're delighted that practices in Abingdon, Chipping, Norton and Henley are now part of the first wave of local vaccination sites. And I'd encourage patients to get the vaccine when called for it. The strict approval process that this vaccine has gone through means that it's safe and our best defence against the virus. Good advice there. Now here's a nice story entitled Twice as Nice, and it's about twins who've won an award for being two of the UK's most loved postal workers in a year of COVID. Identical twins from Oxfordshire have been revealed as two of the UK's most loved postal workers. They are Claire and Nicola Warner, both aged 33 of Whitney, and have been picked from 20,000 nominations in a Thank You Posty campaign celebrating postal workers who went above and beyond the call for duty. The women work for Royal Mail and deliver in the village of Freeland. The campaign was run by Not On The High Street, a website on which small and independent businesses can sell their wares, and it relies on the postal service to deliver to all its customers. The Warner sisters were nominated by Jodie Gore, who sells gifts through Not On The High Street, and has relied on the postal service to keep her business running during lockdown. The twins even collected order bags to save for the trip to the post office. She said, Claire and Nicola have always gone out of their way for us, but the pandemic really highlighted how much they do for us. Spending time with each of us, especially the more vulnerable within the community. They've both also donated to a local charity set up by a resident that's focused on cheering us all up in the village. The charity set up a display featuring a giant monkey and teddy bear, which the twins brought along on some of their rounds to bring a smile to the little ones. Claire Warner said, It's been a difficult year for all of us, but with every difficult situation comes a positive. And the positive for us is that after almost 14 years working as a postie, it's reminded us just how extraordinary people can be. And it's also reminded me just how important our local community is, especially during difficult times. Her sister Nicola added, It's been difficult at times, but when you get out on your route and are greeted by customer after customer with great big smiles on their faces, it really makes your day. The winners get festive food, drink, gifts and decorations from businesses that sell 
with Not on the High Street. And now some news about developments along the A40. And the heading goes, New Park and Ride Site is set to be constructed alongside the A40. A new park and ride facility to get passengers into Oxford is set to be built as part of a range of improvements to the A40. The County Council has announced that it's seeking approval to submit a full and final business plan to the Department for Transport. Now, new funding has been secured for the 850-space facility in Ensham. The plans form part of the Science Transit, that's ST2, scheme for the A40. The project was awarded a provisional allocation of £35 million from the government's local growth fund. And its goal is to improve connectivity and to encourage a shift to more sustainable forms of travel. Yvonne Constance, the County Council's Cabinet Member for the Environment, said, The plans are to accelerate aspects of the S2 scheme as part of a comprehensive range of schemes the Council is developing to enable a sustainable and green economy, especially as the county recovers from the pandemic. This scheme will help deliver real and positive impacts on the lives of local people. It's going to allow residents to adopt environmentally responsible forms of travel, with a particular emphasis on bus transit, as well as a much improved cycling and walking infrastructure. The core parts of the scheme also include an eastbound bus lane on the A40 from Ensham roundabout to a point immediately west of the bridge over the Duke's Cut Canal and enhanced walking and cycling infrastructure. The council said that ST2 would provide a congestion-free route into Oxford from the west to the new science park planned for West Oxfordshire as well. It's the latest in a series of plans to invest over £600 million in Oxfordshire's infrastructure over the next four years. Well, we wait for results. And now a sad tale. A man dies in collision between lorry van and a 4x4 vehicle. A man died in a crash between a lorry, a van and a 4x4 in Oxfordshire. The collision happened last Wednesday at 7.40am on the A361 between Burford and Letchlade near the hamlet of Sinet. Thames Valley Police, South Central Ambulance Service and Oxford Fire and Rescue Services all attended the incident. The driver of the van, a man in his 20s, died at the scene. His family were being supported by specially trained officers. Another man in his 50s was taken to hospital with serious injuries, but was in a stable condition. The third driver involved wasn't injured. The road was closed near to Bradwell Grove for the rest of the morning to allow the police to conduct their investigation, and it reopened again in the afternoon. Investigating officer PC Sandra Terry of the Serious Collision Investigation Unit said, Our thoughts are with the family of the man who's died at this very difficult time. I'm appealing to anybody who may have been in the area and witnessed the incident to please come forward and contact 101. Fire and Rescue Incident Commander Station Manager Nick Burke said, Tragically, this serious collision resulted 
in a fatality. Our thoughts remain with the family and loved ones of at this devastating time. And he added, on behalf of our service, I'd like to pay tribute to the firefighters, police and medical professionals who responded to this terrible incident. And now two pieces of brief news. First, more COVID deaths as a new strain is seen. Another four deaths were announced at the weekend at Oxfordshire hospitals of patients who tested positive for coronavirus. Figures from NHS England on Sunday showed two new COVID-19 deaths at Oxford hospitals. And a further two were announced on Monday afternoon by NHS England, taking the total of the trust during the pandemic to 215. Separate figures show that as of 8am on Tuesday, there were 67 patients in the Oxford Hospital with coronavirus, up from 43 at the same time a week before. And there were two people on ventilators, down from four in December the 1st. Health Secretary Matt Hancock told the House of Commons on Monday that a new strain of coronavirus had been identified. And he said that the numbers of the new variant of coronavirus are increasing rapidly. And the next short story, um, not a very pleasant one, is it? Senseless idiots have cut off wires to Christmas lights across Oxfordshire. On Friday night, vandals targeted homes with festive lights outside in Ducklington, Stanlake and Stanton Harcourt. Writing on Facebook, one person urged residents to consider turning off any outside lights before bedtime to avoid it happening again. <clears throat> and this uh, headline says that uh, a snowboarder has a second miracle son after his accident. A snowboarder who almost died in a horrific accident and feared he'd never be a father has spoken about welcoming his second son. Tom Nabarro of Stanlake shattered his neck, suffered three cardiac arrests and was left unconscious for three weeks after a fall in Bulgaria in April 2007. The accident severed his spinal cord and shattered two vertebrae in his neck, leaving him a tetraplegic in a wheelchair. He was unable to move from the shoulders down and was left without sensation of voluntarily able to move his limbs. Mr. Nabarro and his wife Ellen worried that they would never have a family. But after marrying in 20, 2012, they welcomed their first child, Ollie whose name means my light in Hebrew, uh, in March 2018. And then their second child, Max, was born in June. Mr. Nabara said it was a very scary thought to think that we might not be able to have kids. Having Ori was incredible. He's an absolute joy. He's so vibrant and engaging, and he loves to garden with my mum. He's got little green fingers. He loves digging. Mr. Nabarro's condition hasn't prevented the pair from having an active sex life, but they worried it might not be able to have children. 
Ollie was born in the Radcliffe Hospital on March the 14th in 2018, weighing 7 pounds and 6 ounces. And then Max followed on June the 8th of this year, wearing 6 pounds 9. Now, although Mr. Nabarro admits he longs to scoop up his sons, he's found his own ways of bonding with them. It would be wonderful for me to be able to hold our children and it can't happen. You just have to make do. It's difficult not to be able to kick a ball around and throw them around and do rough play with them. But you can make do. I'm just trying to be a good dad. Going through life-changing events gives you a different perspective on life, which helps me to be a better parent. Software engineer Mr. Nabarro spent over a year at the Stoke Mandeville Hospital in Aylesbury. The couple, together for two years before the accident, then moved into a wheelchair-adapted extension in Stanlake. And there's a lovely picture of Mr. Nabarro with little um, Max lying on his chest and gurgling away there, and he's got the most wonderful smile on his face. Police swoops catch 116, 169 over three days. Police officers on the ground were tipped off on where to go and catch criminals by investigators watching CCTV in the control room. The investigators usually work for one police force at a time in the southeast. That's Thames Valley, Essex, Hertfordshire, Surrey, the Met, City of London or British Transport Police. But over three days from December the 1st, they came together in one control room for a major police operation. Using CCTV and automatic number plate recognition cameras, they watched a suspect's move between the different force areas on trains, the underground and motorways. Frontline police officers were told where to go and which areas to patrol by sergeants who were given all the information by the control room in real time. The sting led to officers arresting 169 people for serious crimes, like carrying weapons, supplying drugs, and the number of people charged isn't yet known, but a total of 32 weapons were taken off the streets, 25 vehicles were seized, and two stolen cars were found. Superintendent Amy Clements, who was leading the operation, said it was successful and it was a great result in the lead-up to Christmas, when burglars in particular are looking for opportunities to commit crimes and make a getaway before being caught. She said there was a significant number of criminals committing crimes in one area of the south-east and then moving around to evade being caught, sometimes more than once in a day. She said that traditionally December is heightened for crime like burglaries. Commonly, it's a month when more crime is committed because of the longer nights and the much darker days and Christmas coming. Burglaries were the main focus of the operation and the 169 people were arrested in different areas across the southeast with officers handcuffing 26 of them. But the impact of these will be felt across the region, the superintendent said. She added, it's not a one-off, it's something we've done in police before, and we know from similar operations that it has got to make a big impact, 
and it's far better for us to target the criminals than to invest the crimes after they happen. The force said that people could do simple things over Christmas to deter burglars, like keeping lights on, presents out of sight, and tip-offs about serious crimes were vital to identify and intercept people. Short item now, another road accident, five trapped after rural road crash. Five people were trapped in their cars after a serious crash when fire crews from Chipping Norton and Banbury arrived at the scene in Kingham last Friday. They found two passengers trapped in a Mazda and and three more trapped in a Mini Cooper. All five were rescued. And now three more short items. And the first is a due warning from firefighters, a warning on festive drink driving. Firefighters have warned drivers that they could still be over the drink drive limit even if they feel fine. Oxfordshire Fire and Rescuers say that time is the only way of getting alcohol out of the system. Not coffee, not sleep or a shower. Emergency services have put together a handy guide to drivers so that they can calculate how long they need to wait before getting behind the wheel before drinking alcohol. For a glass of wine, you should really wait four and a half hours. For a pint of 4% alcohol, you should wait for three and a half hours. Second item, bag, keys and cards go. Two burglars took a mulberry handbag, <coughs> a makeup purse, bank cards and two sets of car keys when they forced their way into a home through the front door. Crooks broke into the property just off the Oxford Road in Whitney overnight between December 6 and 7. The police have issued a CCTV photograph of the two suspects who later used the victim's bank cards at an ATM in Whitney. Any witnesses should call 101. And then there's third item. An A1 test has been developed to rule out covid An artificial intelligence A1 test can quickly screen patients arriving in A&E departments for COVID-19 within an hour. The Oxford University developed test uses clinical information available within the first hour of coming to hospital. Results of the study show that the A1 test correctly predicted the COVID-19 status of 92.3% of patients at the A&E of the John Radcliffe Hospital in Oxford and the Horton General Hospital in Banbury. And now it's time for the editor's reflection piece. And I'm taking this from the late Molly Harris's book, uh, Where the Windrush Flows, in which she explored a different stretch of the Windrush for each month of the year. And in the month of December, she'd read Burford. And here's an extract of what she had to say about it. The town's got much to offer, and it's steeped in history. There's the lovely church of St. John the Baptist, with its tall, elegant spire. Inside, there are many elaborate tombs and memorials to the folk of long ago who helped to build the town. The grandest tomb in there must be that of Sir Lawrence and Lady Tanfield, 
but both were most unpopular in Burford because of their devious goings-on during their lifetime there. The pair realised they were hated by the community, and it's said that Lady Tamfield was once heard to remark that she would like to grind the people of Burford to powder beneath the wheels of her carriage. And it was in a fiery chariot that she was supposed to have haunted the people of Burford <clears throat> by riding over the roofs of the town in it, sometimes accompanied by surveillance. In the 18th century, the chariot tidings became, ridings became so frequent that a band of clergy, some say it was four, others seven, met with bell, book and candle to lay her ghost. And the story goes that the holy men cajoled her into a bottle. They corked it tightly and threw it into the wind rush, just under the third arch of the bridge. Local folk once believed that if at times of drought the wind rush just under the third arch should run dry, then Lady Tanfield would start her meanderings over the rooftops again. And many years ago, during a severe drought, some of the inhabitants took buckets of water along to avert this happening. Also in the church, on the ledge surrounding the beautiful font, scratched the words, Anthony Sedley, prisoner, 1649, a reminder of when some of Cromwell's levellers mutinied. Cromwell and Fairfax caught up with them at Burford, capturing 340 of them and locking them in the church, which was the only building big enough to hold them. Some were shot the next day, buried in the churchyard outside. And in the churchyard, there are several huge gravestones called bale tombs, with the tops of them resembling rolled-up blankets or cloth, a reminder of the Cotswold wool trade that was so prominent in the area. And these cavernous gravestones came in very handy for the men who poached deer in the nearby Witchwood Forest. They'd lift a great heavy lid and hide the venison in the tomb out of sight of the gamekeeper. And then when the coast was clear, the meat was taken to their homes. And it was said that at the time, the labourers of Burford ate more venison a year than London's gentry. Interesting snippets then from Molly Harris's book. And now we come to notice board. And... There are three birthdays during the month of December. On the 19th, it's Mrs. Beryl Muir of Whitney. On the 25th, Christmas Day, it's Mrs. Christine Kimber of North Lee, one of our oldest listeners. And on December the 26th, it's Mr. Keith Solomon of Carterton. To all of you, we say have very happy birthdays and a splendid day of celebration. And we've got to welcome a new listener, and that's Mr. Ted King of Whitney, who will be joining us from this week. We do hope that you will enjoy the programmes, Mr. Young, uh, and uh, look forward to having many, many of them. Now, I've got a series of notices that uh, have been sent to us from the Oxfordshire Association of the Blind that they would like you to know about. Um, First of all, they are praising Alexa. For any of you who don't know, that's the Amazon Echo system uh, that reacts to your voice and will answer questions, play requests, music, 
alarm set, news, facts. Um, they're small, they're cost effective, and they're simple and easy to use. And if you want to know anything more about them, if you're interested, if you haven't got one and you'd like to know more, uh, then contact OAB and they'll give you further advice. And their phone number is 01865 725 595. And now, for any of you who've got uh, strong nerves, they're asking for volunteers to take part in a sponsored tandem parachute jump in 2021. If you do feel entitled and interested enough to do that, then again, contact OAB on the number I've given you. That's 01865-725-595. Now, during the pandemic, the uh, OAB has been shut for visitors, but they have set up a telephone befriending service, particularly for people that perhaps are on their own and uh, they feel a bit lonely from time to time and cut off. Um, this telephone service has become very, very successful during the pandemic and it's now got over 80 people who are phoning in and chatting with uh, members of the OAB staff. And again, the same telephone number to contact if you're interested, 01865 725 and finally from them they want to remind people that if uh, as a visually impaired person you are registered as severely sight impaired then you can claim a 50% reduction in your television license worth knowing next we've recorded a Christmas magazine. Uh, we recorded it on Monday. Uh, we put it in the pouches and posted it on Tuesday. Um, with the Christmas Postal Service, hopefully you might get it in time for the weekend and you're entitled to keep those memory sticks and listen to them um, and not return them until sometime in the new year. And as usual, any comments that you would like to make will be very much appreciated. And then, because of the Christmas uh, period, the next recording that we shall be making will be on Thursday, January the 7th, because the next two Thursdays uh, are Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, and uh, there's no postal service or no uh, nothing on the, the following days which are New Year's Day and Christmas Day and uh, we won't want to be recording on those days so uh, that brings us to the quiz doesn't it and first of all the answers to last week's questions question one was um, 12 days of Christmas according to the popular song so when is the first day of Christmas and the answer is Christmas Day Question two, continuing with the 12 days of Christmas, typically we sing for calling birds, but that lyric used to be for collie birds. So what was a collie bird? And a collie bird was a blackbird, which is the old English expression, meaning coal black. Which country, question three, annually sends a Christmas tree to be erected in London's Trafalgar Square, and it's Norway, of course, which has been 
given since 1947 as a gesture of thanks for Britain's help during the war. And the final question for what indispensable item for the Christmas table did Tom Smith, the confectioner, invent? And it was the Christmas cracker. So that brings us on to this week's questions. And here we go. Five of them. Question one. What is the southernmost point on the British mainland? Question two. In which pantomime does Widow Twanky appear? Question three. Who wrote the song, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas? Question four. In the Bible, who was Isaac's father? And finally, question five. Which Oxford Museum is the oldest museum in the world? Questions finished. Answers on the 7th of January. Now, at the end of this recording, um, Gavin is going to be adding uh, some information that has been compiled by various talking newses around the country of programmes that might be of particular interest to visually impaired people over the next two weeks. There'll be full details there. You can take it or leave it or dip into it. Um, and it's there for your use and uh, for your uh, help during the next two weeks. And now uh, we're sad to announce the following deaths. On the 21st of November, Dr. Alan Bernard, who is aged 92. 29th of November, Janet James, aged 94, of Charlbury. 30th November, Michael, known as Mick Goddard, aged 76, of Cogs. The 1st of December, Joan Francis Catt, aged 90, of Whitney. And on the 4th of December, Derek Victor North, oh, sorry, Derek Victor Worth, aged 78. And on the 5th of December, Nora Isabella Tyrrell, aged 102, of Carterton. The 7th of December, Jane Heather, aged 67. And finally, also on the 7th of December, George Dudley, aged 98, of Whitney. And uh, it's noted that uh, George Dudley was the founder of Dudley Engineering and Dudley's American Motorhomes. So, of course, our sincere condolences go to all relatives and friends of the deceased. And now for the rest of our news, there's a notice from Aldi. And they're rolling out a click-and-collect service. Supermarket Aldi is rolling out a click-and-collect service across Oxfordshire for the first time. Shoppers can order groceries online and collect them at a pre-booked one-hour slot at stores in Oxford, Farringdon, Didcot, Banbury and Chipping Norton. There'll be click-and-collect points in car parks and customers will be able to have shopping delivered to their cars contact-free to observe social distancing. The Aldi boss, Giles Hurley, said, 
Extending this trial is about providing thousands more of our existing customers with another convenient way to shop with us, while also making Aldi accessible for many others who may not have shopped with us before. And as well as click and collect, Aldi's also trialing a rapid delivery service in partnership with Deliveroo. Customers living near stores can order products and have them delivered to their doorsteps in as little as 20 minutes. And now, it's a tale about a singing vicar who brings festive joys by Carol Vanning. A vicar has decked out a camper van so that he can drive through streets in his parish before caroling to residents. Simon Kirby, vicar of St Mary's Church in Cogs, is aiming to ensure that everyone gets a bit of festive cheer this Christmas. He said, you've heard of caroling and caravanning, but I've got, you've never heard of caravanning. This time, we'll be travelling around the neighbourhoods of Whitney, spreading a little mobile festive cheer. From December the 14th onwards, we'll be out and about in our festive camper van, stopping off to perform for local families and groups who have booked a slot. Obviously, we'll be making sure that we adhere to COVID guidelines and have been asked that people stay in their front gardens on doorways whilst we sing. Well, this is a fun way for us to celebrate the birth of Jesus. We can't forget that for many, this has been one of the toughest years that they've ever experienced. What shone bright through it all is the way our local community has rallied to support each other. Our town will get through this time, and our hope and prayer is that in the face of all the current challenges, people will know peace, joy, love and hope this Christmas. In order to adhere to government guidelines on coronavirus, the team behind the Carol Vanning offered 28 slots to families around Whitney for groups to go to, to be booked, and they're all taken. Now a notice from uh, Blenheim. Palace team creates wooden homes for bees. Natural hives for dwindling colonies of wild bees are being built on the Blenheim estate. The estate's rural team is creating the hives from wood and timber stacks, many with rot or holes in which mimic the sites which bees would naturally choose. Blenheim estate's head forester said that all bees are increasingly under threat, particularly our native species. So providing these hives is really important to help support and protect them. The incredibly rich mix of flowers and nectar-producing plants that we've got here on the estate means we are a haven for native bees, and we're incredibly fortunate to have a self-sustaining population. However, as numbers elsewhere continue to plummet, we want to do everything we can to not only protect our population, but also encourage it to grow. The team will be putting the hives in spots where wild bees have been seen. And now there's a notice uh, uh, and an article uh, emanating from the Burford Blue Cross Home for Animals. And it's headlined that the pet charity is seeking new homes for its longest serving guests. An animal charity is trying to find homes in time for Christmas 
and some of its longer-serving pets. Burford-based Blue Cross is desperately seeking forever homes for pets, such as Eric the dog, who's been searching for a home for almost 400 days. And there are various animals across Blue Cross centres in Burford and Lutner that require a loving home. The charity is also calling out to make sure pets in its care home have an extra special Christmas day, providing a Christmas dinner for them. Hannah Wiltshire, centre manager at Blue Cross in Burford, said, We have anyone looking for a pet chooses a rescue who really deserves a second chance in life. While we always try and spoil the homeless pets a little bit more over Christmas, the team at the centre will be pulling together on Christmas Day to give all the homeless pets the Christmas they deserve. And we hope our supporters will help by donating towards an extra special Christmas dinner for them. Pets such as the 10-year-old Bobby and 14-year-old Ralphie are among the Blue Cross is hoping to re-home. These are beautiful cats that have been without a proper home for such a long time and we really like to see them enjoying the festive season with families of their own this Christmas. And there are other pets searching for new homes and families during the festive season. And there are dogs, rabbits, guinea pigs and cats. And our final item. School adds outdoor room. A primary school has opened a new outdoor classroom with a sand pit and storage facilities. And it's the Wooden by Woodstock Primary School. And it's been creating the facility for the early years classes. A fundraising group run by parents, the Friends of the Wooden by Woodstock School, requested a bursary from Blenheim Palace. And they had a £4,500 grant from the Blenheim Charitable Bursary, which was used to finance the classrooms. Rebecca Elliott, the project coordinator at the Friends, said we would like to thank Blenheim for the generous donation it means. It means so much to have this support. The children and staff are delighted and it will make a real difference to the children's experience and that of future pupils too. The facilities have improved the scope for outdoor activities and learning for the reception class, as well as providing bike storage. Blenheim's Samantha Vaughan said, we're delighted to be able to support such a worthwhile and thoughtful project that will significantly improve the learning opportunities for children and make, uh, make such clever use of the outdoor space. The £50,000 Blenheim bursary is available to charities and organisations within a 20-mile radius of the palace. And the Wooden by Woodstock Primary School was founded in the early 19th century on its present site. And there's a picture of some very happy children sitting and working in their new outdoor room. Well... That's all we've got time for this week. And remember that the next recording will be on the 7th of January. Uh, Thanks, of course, go to the Whitney Gazette for this week's stories and to Gavin for manning the recording controls. So, until...
Till our next programme, that's on the 7th of January, stay well. And from everyone at the Whitney Talking News, goodbye and have a very Merry Christmas. TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. Christmas week is upon us and it's packed with radio treats for you to enjoy. Here are some of our suggestions. Starting with Saturday, December 19th. On Radio 3 at 12.30, in This Classical Life, the saxophonist Jess Gillum is joined by American composer and conductor Eric Whittaker to swap tracks and share musical discoveries. Radio 4 Extra has two whodunits in the afternoon. At 1pm, Monk's Hood is a dramatisation of Ellis Peters' medieval murder mystery narrated by Michael Horden and starring Philip Maddock as Brother Cadfile. Then at 4pm, the sleuth is Hercule Poirot in a dramatisation of Agatha Christie's Five Little Pigs. Back to Radio 3 at 9.30 in the evening, in Between the Years, to bear witness, biologist and philosopher Andreas Weber and poet and psychologist Anita Barrows reflect on what is lost as beloved species and places of wilderness continue to vanish. An activist, Kofi Mawuli Clue, mourns the immense forests now destroyed. Finally for Night Owls, at 11.30pm on Radio 4, Poetry Please. Poet laureate Simon Armitage is Roger McGough's guest with his pick of the listeners' favourite poems. The environmental theme is continued as Simon talks about his responsibility as a poet to write about the natural world. On to Sunday, December 20th. Radio 3 devotes most of the day to the European Broadcasting Union's annual Christmas Music Day, Christmas Around Europe, a day-long festival of Christmas and singing from across Europe and Canada. This musical treat starts at 9am and continues with just a couple of breaks until 11pm. As part of that day of music, still on Radio 3 at 12 noon in Private Passions, Michael Berkeley's guest is Kadiata Kanamason, mother of cellist Sheku and his six musical siblings. We move to Radio 4 for the next few programmes at 6.30am. The subject of natural histories is very appropriately, for this time of year, the reindeer. Sunday worship at 10 past 8 in the morning. The service for the fourth Sunday in Advent comes from the UK's smallest city, St David's in Pembrokeshire. And at 11am, the castaway on Desert Island Discs is pop giant Cliff Richard. He is 80 or he was 80, unbelievably, in October. At 4pm, Open Book looks at Charles Dickens, including his literary inventiveness and use of language, a celebration of some of the meals featured in his novels as well. At 7pm, in Strictly Stories, Foxtrot, a single father is baffled when his ear-studded activist daughter wants to go to the Pink Lemon Dance Studio to learn the Foxtrot. All those programmes were on Radio 4, don't forget. While ending the evening, on Sunday, Radio 4 Extra, 9pm, a 2005 episode of Desert Island Discs is revisited, featuring the actor Geoffrey Palmer, who sadly died last month, aged 93.
onto those programs then which are broadcast at the same time every day monday to friday on the same radio station same day same radio station monday to friday 9:45 a.m. Radio 4 and repeated at half past midnight on FM and DAB is Book of the Week. Continues Barack Obama's reading of his own autobiographical book, A Promised Land. Over on Radio 4 Longwave, as always, the daily service is broadcast each day, if that takes your fancy, at 9:45 a.m. The 15-minute drama at 10:45 a.m. on Radio 4 and repeated at 7.45 each night, is a dramatisation of Dickens' dark thriller The Mystery of Edwin Drood. Radio Times describes it as a rip-roaring listen with a contemporary edge, although possibly not one for younger listeners. On Radio 3 at 12 noon, the composer of the week is J.S. Bark, beginning on Monday with Bark and the Organ. At just after midday, Every day, Monday to Friday, same radio station, Radio 4, and repeated at 10.45 in the evening, An Almost Perfect Christmas, a collection of seasonal tales by Nina Stibb. At 1.45 in the afternoon, again every day next week on Radio 4, is a new series called Why, Why, Why? Phil Jupiter searches for the answers to questions posed by songs, beginning with looking at the clashes, Should I stay or should I go? which provokes a discussion with decision-making expert Joseph Bicart. On Radio 4 Extra at 2pm, you can hear Derek Jacobi reading an Inspector Maigret mystery by Georges Simenon, A Maigret Christmas. A young girl claims to have seen Father Christmas in her room. And 7.30 every day, Monday to Friday, Radio 3 begins with the highlights of this year's prom season, beginning on Monday with two concerts recorded in August. So onto those individual programmes then to listen through the week, starting with Monday, December 21st. At 11.30am on Radio 4, How to Vaccinate the World, Tim Harford reports on the global race to create a vaccine to end the COVID-19 pandemic. 4.30pm, still on Radio 4, Beyond Belief looks at the Virgin Mary. We know very little about Mary, considering she is a highly revered figure in both Christianity and Islam. Joining Ernie Rhea to discuss Jesus' mother are Tina Beatty, Mona Siddiqui and Archbishop Amber Angelos. Turning to Radio 3 at 6.15, this week's edition of Words and Music is Entering the World of Books, an exploration of attitudes to women and reading. There are readings from Flaubert, James Fordyce, Dylan Thomas and Jilly Cooper with music by Robert Jones, Haydn, Thomas Ades, The Beatles and Dire Straits. Finally for this day on Monday 8pm Radio 4 and please can I have a unicorn and world peace. Miles Jupp joins the elves at Santa Claus's post office in the Arctic Circle where around half a million letters arrive each year. On Tuesday, December 22nd, on Radio 4 at 9.30am, In Their Element looks at aluminium, once fashionable as cutlery, but now used in bicycles and tinsel. On Radio 4 at 2.15, the drama From Shore to Shore is inspired by stories from Chinese communities living in the UK and draws on the experiences of people living in Leeds and West Yorkshire. The theme of separation from the mother, and by extension the motherland, 
was a feature in all their interviews from the oldest interviewee aged 87 to the youngest aged 12. Turning to Radio 3 at 6.15pm, the subject of words and music is William Wordsworth in the year of his 250th anniversary, with readings from the journals of his sister Dorothy and from Wordsworth's poems and music from Beethoven, Fanny Mendelssohn, Britton and Schubert. On Classic FM at 8pm is the Prince's Foundation Carol Concert, recorded at St Paul's Church, Knightsbridge, in aid of the Prince's Foundation and featuring an introduction by the Prince of Wales. Wednesday, December 23rd, on Radio 4 at 9am, is the last of four wreath lectures by Mark Carney. In From Climate Crisis to Real Prosperity, he argues the roots of the climate emergency lie in a crisis of values. Still on Radio 4, at 2.15, the drama Where This Service Will Depart is the last instalment of the occasional romantic comedy about a couple who meet in a train. On Radio 3, Choral Evensong at 3.30pm was recorded in September at the Chapel of Royal Holloway, University of London. Back to Radio 4 at 9pm for the third part of the series about the senses explores the sense of hearing. Finally, at the same time on Radio 2, 9pm, the actor Idris Elba talks to Paul McCartney about his 60-year career, which continues this month with McCartney 3, his 26th post-Beatles album. McCartney, now 78, discusses the process of songwriting. Christmas Eve, Thursday, December 24th, and today's choices are all on Radio 4. Firstly, starting at 9am with The Reunion, Strictly Come Dancing. The programme features memories of the show's early days with dancers Anton Dubeck and John Burns, Judge Craig Revelhorwood and Series 1 contestants Natasha Kaplinsky and Leslie Garrett. The drama at 2.15 is The Moon That Night by Mark Lawson. On Christmas Eve, a family of four arrives in the Cotswolds, just in time for the festive service at the 14th century church beside their country cottage. The door is unlocked, and inside they find that a single mother and her child have moved in after being unable to pay the rent on their flat. The family faces a clash between its Christmas plans and its liberal Christian principles. Followed at 3pm by a highlight for many on Christmas Eve, the Festival of Nine Lessons and Carols, broadcast live, even this year, from King's College, Cambridge. At 6.30pm, still on Radio 4, there's a re-recording of one of Tony Hancock's Lost Episodes, written by Ray Galton and Alan Simpson. Kevin McAnally plays the part of Tony in Department Store Santa. And at 11pm, in Once in Royal David City, former choristers share their memories of singing the solo, first verse of the carol, at the start of the Festival of Nine Lessons and Carols. Finally, on to the big day, Christmas Day, December 25th, 7am, Radio 4, with great pleasure at Christmas. Has a celebration marking 70 years of the Archers, with readings, music and anecdotes from the cast, one for each decade. Short Works at 8.45am on Radio 4 has a festive story about a young girl who becomes a London barmaid and the first Christmas she spends away from home. Still on Radio 4 at 11am, the history series You're Dead to Me looks at the Victorian Christmas. Why do we celebrate Christmas with cards, crackers 
and a tree. One of my particular favourites on Christmas afternoon, a bit like the Nine Lessons and Carols on Radio 4 on Christmas Eve afternoon. This time, though, it's on Classic FM, 1pm, the nation's favourite carol. John Brunning presents this year's poll of listeners' 30 favourite carols. And if you haven't been to a carol service this year, which seems unlikely, I certainly haven't, I'll be tuning in for that. At the same time, 1pm on Radio 3, there is a chance to hear those Festival of Nine Lessons and Carols from the Chapel of King's College, Cambridge. Take your pick. At 3pm, still on Radio 3, the first of two parts of Sunrise Sound Walk, in which Horatio Clare walks the North Sea coast with music reflecting the mood of the coastline. The programme concludes tomorrow. And don't forget at 3pm, the Queen's Christmas message will be broadcast on Radio 4 and also on Classic FM. Finally, at 4pm on Radio 4, the comedy drama Star Child is described by Radio Times as the nativity story, but not as we know it. It stars the brilliant Jim Broadbent. We do hope you enjoy your listening this festive week. May we wish you a peaceful, safe, but more importantly, a really happy Christmas. TNF Soundings TNF Soundings Features from across the UK It's Christmas and New Year week and some of this week's radio highlights to listen out for starting with Saturday, December 26th and if you like an early start, you could listen to Radio 4 at 7am, the Today programme, which is edited by Prue Leith. So there might be some cooking items if you like that sort of thing. If you're an Agatha Christie mystery fan, listen to Radio 4 Extra at 1pm, where there's the omnibus edition of the Sitterford Mystery, in which a seance at a remote house tells of a man's murder. On Radio 3, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon... Part two of Sunrise Sound Walk. Horatio Clare walks round the wash where he delights in the minute details of plants, wildlife and the sounds and wide vistas. Also on Radio 3 at 4pm for a choice of listening, there's Neil Gaiman's drama The Sleeper and the Spindle as a soldier queen prepares for her wedding day. Three dwarves bring news of a sleeping sickness that's sweeping the land. It stars Penelope Wilton. Classic FM's Saturday Night at the Movies showcases music from family-friendly Christmas favourites at 4pm. And for the evening, how about an opera on 3? Radio 3, that is. 7.30pm, a Christmas concert with highlights from popular operas by Rossini, Puccini, Mozart and others. Or the story of British pantomime, It's Behind You. Archive on 4 at 8 o'clock on Radio 4 has a look at this weird and wonderful story. And this programme is repeated, if you miss it, on Wednesday, December 30th at 3 o'clock. On to Sunday, December 27th. At 8.10am, Sunday Worship, on Radio 4. The Archbishop of Canterbury marks the 750th anniversary of the murder of his predecessor, Thomas Beckett. Also on Radio 4 at 11am, Desert Island Discs, and Lauren Laverne's castaway is Colonel Lucy Giles, the first female commander of New College Sandhurst. 
Again, that's repeated at 9am on New Year's Day if you miss it. Ready for extra? 6pm, a sting in the tail. A bonding week in an isolated cottage for a 1983 university challenge team goes horribly wrong. Between the Ears at 6.45 features brief encounters on the 75th anniversary of David Lean's classic film with a look at real-life chance encounters where for each person, life has never been the same. And staying with Radio 3 at 7.30pm, the drama on 3 is Rogers and Hart and Hammerstein, the story of the tumultuous unravelling of one partnership and the birth of another. Radio 2 at 9pm goes to warmer climbs with Gary Barlow in conversation with Barry Gibb from his home in Miami, discussing Barry's phenomenal career as a member of the Bee Gees and a collaborator with Barbara Streisand and Diana Ross. Now a look at the programmes on each weekday, Monday to Friday, at the same time, at the same radio station. Monday to Friday, even though it's Christmas week. Don't get confused. Starting with Classic FM's Ultimate Hall of Fame, which started way back in 1996. The next five days feature the chart of charts, reflecting the past quarter century of classical music tastes. Radio 3's Composer of the Week, Edward Grieg, is at 12 noon each day. This is followed by Radio 3 Lunchtime Concert, with highlights this week from the Mozart Minifest in Bradford-on-Avon, held in November. At 6pm on Radio 4 Extra, The Lost Stradivarius, a suspense tale from 1895, where a wealthy student and violinist discovers a hidden cupboard. The mystery of Edwin Drood continues at 10.45 in the morning and repeated at 7.45 each day on Radio 4. Well, back to Radio 4 Extra for another Agatha Christie. One, two, buckle my shoe at 8.30 while at 10.45 each night, book at bedtime on Radio 4 is In the Castle of My Skin by George Lamming. And this is a repeat just after midday each day. Returning to those daily listings and Monday, December 28th. Highlights include at 12 noon on Radio 2, body coach Joe Wicks celebrates people and events that led positivity to 2020 in the year that changed our lives. 6.15 on Radio 4, uncorked, Janice Robinson goes on a festive mission to recommend wines to well-known figures, aiming to match wines that reveal things about their personality. While still on Radio 4 at 8, can I still read Harry Potter? Aisha Romano, in an active response to J.K. Rowling's remarks on gender, packed his Potter books away. Now he examines his decision with fans, critics and literary experts. On Radio 3 at 8.45pm, the BBC Proms features a Viennese night. Tuesday, December 29th, Radio 4, 11.30am, Charles W. Eliot says all the books for a complete liberal education can fit on the five-foot shelf. But what would people from all walks of life today recommend for the five-foot shelf? Ian Sampson visits Wigtown, Scotland's national book town, to find out. Still on Radio 4, at 2.15, the drama is Lena Marsh, live and shticking. Lena records a new Christmas album, with help from her showbiz pals, featuring lots of famous names. Her son and daughter both want her dead. What could possibly go wrong?
Radio 4 Extra at 2.30, the Bronze Age man and Jodrell Bank, Alan Garner, explains how he drew inspiration for his novels from the Jodrell Bank radio telescope and the Bronze Age past of his Cheshire home. The afternoon concert on Radio 3 highlights three European music festivals, starting at the Gustard Menuhin Festival, followed at 3pm with Dvorak Prague International Music Festival, and finally, at 3.45, Music Festival Brussels. Easy for me to say. Peter White will be in touch at 8.40 on Radio 4. And on Radio 4 Extra at 9pm, Carry On Up the Archive, Jim Dale's celebration of the Carry On films featuring Hattie Jakes, Kenneth Williams, Sid James, and now, of course, very aptly, the late Barbara Windsor. Wednesday, December 30th, how about starting on Radio 4 with a seasonal cold Swedish winter, a comedy. Traditional celebrations of the crayfish season, climax in a party at which Anders claims to have a girlfriend. But will she show up? The drama at 2.15 on Radio 4 is Wasteland. Blake has been promoted to team leader in the Brighton Refuse Collection community and wants to improve the lives of his team, despite none of them being interested. At 6.30pm, a new weekly series of six programmes entitled Conversations from a Long Marriage. Roger Allen gives a masterclass in stacking the dishwasher to Joanna Lumley, who instructs Roger on how to wave goodbye to departing guests. Radio 4 Extra then has an hour of vintage comedy with Hancock's Half Hour at 7pm, followed by Up the Garden with Imelda Staunton at 730 in front row on Radio 4 at 7.15, Samira Ahmed talks to percussionist Evelyn Glennie about her two new albums. And Choral Evensong is on Radio 3 at 8.30 from Canterbury Cathedral. It's New Year's Eve, Thursday, December 31st. And if you want to change from the Classic FM Hall of Fame, tune to Radio 3 at 9am for Essential Classics with Ian Skelly. Radio 4 at 11.30, sci-fi blindness. But before you think of sci-fi, ugh, the presenter is Peter White, who's probably been plugging this programme on In Touch. Peter has a dislike of being told what to do and has been shaped by a formative line in The Day of the Triffids and the realisation that the genre of science fiction offered more for an imaginative idea of blindness than mainstream literature. Still on Radio 4 at 2.15, the drama is That Dinner of 67, about the making of Stanley Kramer's 67 film Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. An edition of The Missing Hancocks is on Radio 4 at 6.30pm, entitled New Year's Resolutions. Tony announces his list of New Year's resolutions, which he's confident he'll stick to, but Bill Kerr is equally confident he will fail. At 7pm on Classic FM, Moira Stewart meets, again, a compilation of her recent series with Dawn French, David Jason, Andre Roux, John Cleese and Stephen Fry. And lastly, it's New Year's Eve. It's 11pm. What else are you going to be doing? Whatever happened to baby Jane Austen? A comedy starring Dawn French and Jennifer Saunders, whose tense relationship takes a darker turn after the publication of a tell-all book. Happy New Year. It's Friday, January 1st. At 10.15 on Radio 3, the New Year's Day concert from Vienna. 
absolutely dating the diary for this. Live from the Musikverein in Vienna, the annual celebration of waltzes, polkas and marches featuring the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra. The drama on Radio 4 at 2.15 is Hashtag Love. On the 70th anniversary of The Archers, this rom-com is set behind the scenes of the drama, starring Ruth Jones, of Gavin and Stacey fame, and Stephen Tomkinson. Gardner's Question Time follows that on Radio 4, and is repeated at 2pm on Sunday, if you miss it. Lots about The Archers at 7.15 on Radio 4. The Archers anniversary quiz, again, celebrating the last 70 years. And the BBC Proms 2020 is on Radio 3 at 7.30, featuring composers Thomas Aids, Elgar, Ganrielli, Beethoven and Kurtag. And this is immediately followed by a concert from the Royal Albert Hall by London-based octet Kokoroko inspired by the West African rhythms heard in 1940s Soho. Finally, as befitting New Year's Day, Radio 4 presents Correspondents Look Ahead. BBC Correspondents discuss the likely big stories of 2021. I'm not sure anyone a year ago may have predicted what we were going to go through in 2020. We'll see what they have to say. We do hope you enjoy these listening suggestions Please do keep well in 2021. Stay safe and a very happy new year. TNF Soundings. 